Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Carly Hustle, host of Brutally Honest Podcast, and this is OPP. Bless everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OPP. OPP is America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Carly Hustle, host of the amazing podcast Brutally Honest. Brutally Honest is Carly's truth in 20 minutes. You get to hear the world from Carly's perspective as she candidly discusses the grind of being a working mom in the music industry and so much more. Carly saw by my bedside apartment. We got to learn so much about her upbringing in Oregon, how she got her start in the music industry working in radio, her current role working in artist relations at Apple. She chats candidly with me about her recent cancer diagnosis. And of course, we get into her dope show, Brutally Honest. So let me introduce you to Carly Hustle. Yo, yo, what up, Carly? How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm just enjoying this beautiful Brooklyn morning. Yes, it is a very beautiful. It feels very um, almost, I would say, May. It feels like a May morning. It is. It's not nasty and humid and insufferable for a change. I'm just really enjoying it. I cruise on over and I just felt like, yeah, like I was seizing the day. And now here I am with you overlooking this beautiful Brooklyn street. It's just like the quintessential... Brooklyn that I've always wanted to live in. Yes. And, and coming, <laughs> coming straight off the Chinatown bus is nice to ease into a beautiful morning. Right. Because <laughs> it's probably chaotic a little on that bus. Well, the, the key is to take it in the middle of the night okay. because you, all of the characters are asleep. Got it. You know what I mean? Right. Ever been on Chinatown bus? I have not. I can, what? I haven't. Nope. You're a New Yorker and you've not been on a Chinatown not bus? You are blessed. How, how have you avoided the situation? I don't know. I guess trains cars my partner has a car so i end up avoiding quite a bit of and you have a car yeah he well he does which means you do essentially you have access i do i have access i have keys to it that's clutch yeah oh keys keys means you have definite access i mean trust me we take the l on that car it's you know it's expensive to have a car out here most people don't have cars it's hard to find parking it's very expensive but if you want to get out of here and go to Philly for a day or, yes. you know, like something like that, you just, it's great. Like that's the, that's the freedom that I think a car provides you is just to be able to take the key, take the car and get the going. Other than that, it's like a ball and chain situation though. Cause you're just like dragging it around like, oh, okay, alternate side parking. Okay. All right. got to move it here. Oh, can't park there. And then you, you know, you're trying to decipher all these street signs. Yeah. If you have a car in this town it's there'll be like 15 street signs and i'm just like could you just do like a digital thing that says yes or no <laughs> exactly and until when because exactly. like i don't understand what you're trying to signs say signs should be digital now we've yeah. gotten to that point i think you know we we're definitely in artificial intelligence land like why do we have all these written signs that are all so confusing just give me a green or a red light or something 
Facts. This is like people with uh, people with car problems. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have car problems, adjacent car problems. It's mostly him that handles it. So, well, I'm so happy to have you on the pod. This is one of those. Uh, uh, it's been brewing for a while. I've been excited for this interview for a while because we first uh, I first reached out to you a couple of months ago. Yeah, and. Uh, I first heard of your podcast from It's The Real because you were their podcaster's picks. And that's how I first heard of Bruliana. So they're so out. kind. They're, they're amazing. You know what I, I'm saying about those guys? When I first started my podcast, my other podcast, Silent Giants, when that first started, before we even had an episode out, I didn't know anything about podcasting. And my friend Marat Bernstein, shout out to him. He yes, was like, Yes, I know Marat too. Oh, you know Marat? Yeah. Oh, Marat is. That's the homie. Oh, man. Ultimate homie. Yeah. And when I uh, talked to Marat, he was like, yeah, listen to It's The Real. So they're the only podcasters that I really knew. And so I asked I asked him, hey, can you offer coffee? I just want to learn about what a podcast is all about. And they met up with me. And they yep. like, I got to ask them questions. And they were super polite and super kind. They're yep. like instant brothers in the podcasting world. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them. Yeah, they're the best. That's Those are the kind of people you want to keep around. For sure. Are you from here? I'm not originally from here. Where no. are you from? I've been here about nine years. Um, I am from Eugene, Oregon, originally. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, Salinas, California, San Diego, Phoenix, and then Brooklyn. I've been around. Are you a military child? I'm not. Actually, I, I'm just a radio rat. So I was in radio for a long time. And um, terrestrial radio is a really nomadic kind of gig where, you know, you start somewhere and then you kind of get a gig somewhere else. So you have to move in order to get a better time slot for your show or in order to, whether, in order to get like a better position in general. So when I moved from, say, Phoenix to um, Hot 97 in New York, I obviously it's the number one market in the country. And that was always my goal. And I finally made it to that station. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you just have to move if you want the gigs. So uh, what, what inspired you to get into radio? Well, so I was doing um, community work um, in the hip hop community in Portland, Oregon and um, working retail music back when retail music stores like used to exist. So I worked at Sam Goody and I worked at Camelot. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to be around music. So I was like, how can I be around music all the time? I want to be in the music business. And I was like, let me just go sell CDs. And so when I was in there, I was meeting a lot of people from the community. I started going to a lot of shows and then I hooked up with some folks for this thing called Hip Hop in the Park. And it was a community event that we did um, in Alberta Park uh, in Portland, Oregon. And this was like dang near 20 years ago. And while I was assembling that with some people, Ebro was um, doing radio. He was doing mornings at JAMA 95.5 in Portland. So he somehow got involved because he's always kept his ear to the street. So he was like, how, you know, can I get involved with this? Can I help you guys? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we started to collaborate on it. And he gave us a few um, folks to come up and perform from Sacramento and like the Bay Area where he's from. And um, just through that, he was like, yo, like, you're killing it. I want to, you know, get you on the street team. So he put me on a street team at the local radio station. And then I started working there. Walked into the studio one day. I was able to go in there with like a few other street teamers. And I saw this gentleman, Mario DeVoe, who was the jock on the air. He cracked the mic and did a break. And I was like, yo, I'm doing that. Like, I'm going to do that. So I set my sights on that. And then pretty soon I was board opping overnights. And then I got to do a weekend shift and I was doing mix shows. And then my career just kind of went from there. Uh uh, no pun intended, but what is your, your, I'm always fascinated how people become who they become and what drives them and what motivates them. Like, where did your hustle come from? Like, what, what, what made you not just want to stay in Eugene, Oregon and, and have that be your life? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, it was trauma. 
Um, I experienced a lot of trauma in that town. And I think staying there was not an option if I wanted to have the life that I knew was possible. So I had to get out. Um, you know, people say like big cities like New York or like, they're just dangerous. Like New York city is so dangerous. These cities are so dangerous. I'm like, I personally feel like the more dangerous cities are the small ones where there's not a lot going on. There's lots of drugs. There's lots of crime. There's lots of, you know, just crazy shit that pops off. Can I cuss on this podcast? Fuck yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and so I was noticing that a lot of people I was hanging out with were going down a really bad road. And, you know, I was the kind of kid who I did sort of like get in the fringe of being on a bad road, but like I would skip school and then hang out with my friends. And while they were all like drinking and smoking, I was like, I take a puff or two, but I would also be doing like my math homework. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I know I'm skipping school, but I still have to turn this math homework in. So I'm going to do it. So I was always cognizant of like, I want to ride the line of what this is with these cool kids, but I also don't want to throw my whole future away. Yeah. And as I started to get older, my brother had a significant drug problem and I just couldn't be around it anymore. If I'm being honest, I had to get away. And so I did like, I packed up all my shit one day. It just fit in my car and I moved in with this dude. Um, and, and he was not a good character. So I imagined I managed to get myself out of that situation and got like a little spot. And then that's how I just like got involved with like, you know, eventually the hip hop community in Portland and then radio. And that was how I started my career. Uh, how was the transition moving uh, to New York City? I always felt like for myself, I got here and instantly felt like I belonged. Did you have that same feeling? Yeah. I've, people have always asked me if I was from the East Coast, even when I lived on the West Coast. And they just said that I had that sort of like attitude, that sort of grind and kind of personality, like the snarky kind of dry humor and, you know, just like a little rough around the edges. And so, yeah, I feel like I found like my people out here. And how, how long were you at 97? Mm, I was there for three years. Yeah. And then um, they had a management change and it just wasn't something that I wanted to stick around for. I felt like if I stayed there, I would have been doing all the work and getting none of the credit or the money. Yeah. So um, I decided to um, dip up out of there and work for myself for a while. I was doing some consulting. I had my hustle bow tie company. Um, I had a YouTube series called How to Quit Your Job. And so I was working on all those projects. And then eventually I got a call from Ebro again. Um, and he was like, yo, like, you know, there's a secret project happening over at Apple. Um, you know, I want you to, you know, interview for it. It's basically like a worldwide radio station in over a hundred countries. And it's going to be crazy. It's never been done before. This is before Apple music was a thing. This is before beats one was a thing. We were all under NDAs. We couldn't talk about it. It was totally like top secret. And so I was lucky enough to get hired there. And so now that's where I work. Yeah. What is your day to day like working at, at Apple and beats one? Cause you're working in artist relations, correct? I am. Yeah. So at this point, basically I'm an artist liaison. I'm a friend to artists. Like, what can I do to help you? We have all these different campaigns and, you know, bullet points that could be parts of your resume that we can offer as far as contextualizing your story on beats one. There's, you know, playlisting and all of the original content that we create. And so we collaborate across all of Apple music to, 
handpick artists for all of these different things that we have to offer. And so my job is to make sure that I'm hearing as much as I can talking to artists and managers and getting them through the door so they can be heard and seen across the ecosystem so that we can find ways to help. Uh, I want to take it back just a little bit because um, you were coming from a smaller market in radio and you came over to Hot 97. For folks who are looking to make the move, because most people from New York City, a lot of us are transplants from another place. Yeah. Uh, What was a hurdle for you uh, going from a smaller market to a bigger market if there was a hurdle at all? I think it's just more about people thinking like, yo, there's no way you can hang, you know, like you're not from here you don't know, you know, the boroughs, you don't know the culture. And, um, one thing that if I do say so myself that I think I'm really good at is just being observant and studying. And, um, you know, especially like before I got my cancer diagnosis, you know, I was able to move around a bit more, but I was out a lot, just seeing people, talking to people, learning about, you know, the different areas of New York city. And so, you know, people are not likely to give you the benefit of the doubt straight away, but I think I had to show and prove and I did show and prove, you know, and I feel like I've earned my respect out here. And it's because I didn't come in and act like I knew everything. I came in and said, yo, teach me, you know, I want to learn. I want to amplify what you're doing. I know that I'm privileged enough to be in this particular position and that I need to do right by this town. And I need to do right by the artists and the people who live here. So, you know, and I've been embraced, like people fuck with me and I'm lucky for that. But also I think it's about being, you know, approaching it with a level of humility so that you're not just pushing your agenda onto this place. You know, like, I don't want to come in here and like gentrify the shit. I want to come in here and add on, you know, like, how can I help? How can I use the skills that I have? So, um, you know, Away from your career, you're also a mother. One that we were talking before we got the filming, I went back home. My grandparents are like, when are you going to give me grandchildren? <laughs> and I was like, yo, uh, it's a lot to balance myself. Yeah. Uh, what is it like to uh, raise a, a family here in, in New York City? And also, too, I also wonder, like, I'm from the South, so I know that I... My childhood was very different. Like, we had, like, yellow school buses. You know what I mean? Like, sure. we had a bus stop. Um, but what is it like raising a child here, but also still giving them the values of what you knew from back home. Sure. Um, Well, she's three and a half now. I feel like she, like a lot of New York City kids are just a lot sharper. Um, And it's not a diss or anything to anywhere else because clearly I'm not from here. But the amount of exposure that you have to other people, other cultures, other languages, access you have to cultural, you know, festivals and, you know, museums. And like, she just gets to be exposed to so much very naturally and very organically that I think it just propels her into this sort of upper echelon of like mental brain power for her age. Um, And so that's a really big plus. I don't think that New York City is great for families. I don't think it's a place that embraces families. I think it's a place, especially from like the real estate perspective that embraces single people that are moving out here from the Midwest with their three girlfriends, Becky and Sally and whoever else. And they, you know, like they've restructured so many of the apartments out here to like accommodate those kinds of people. Yeah, They take a two bedroom apartment and turn it into a three bedroom or a four bedroom. So they're teeny tiny bedrooms is not set up for any kind of like family residence. Right. So it's difficult. It's very expensive. And, you know, I think here, like a lot of places, the school systems are really jacked up um, just because the infrastructure of public schools has 
been a huge challenge. It's falling apart. And I'm like, how do I educate my kid out here? I went to public school. My partner went to public school. My mom was a public school teacher for her entire life. And she is telling me, absolutely don't put your kid in public school. And she, that's her whole life. Like her whole career was dedicated to that. But she's like, it's changed. You know, the class sizes are gigantic. So I think those are the biggest challenges. And so now we're kind of like leaning to maybe doing a homeschool type situation for a while. Um, my dad is from Helsinki, Finland. He's passed now, but he, you know, in their culture, they don't even send their kids to school until they're seven. Um, out here in New York city, people look at me like I have four heads when I tell them that my kid's not in school yet. And she's three and a half, but she's at home and gets one-on-one attention all day, every day. And she still socializes with other kids. Um, so, you know, everybody has to find their way. It's not easy. Long story long, it's not easy. <laughs> was that a quick break? When we get back, we're going to get to your podcast, Really Honest. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. So tell me, how did you first discover this world of podcasting? Well, that's a great question. My friend Kit and I were at a coffee shop many years ago, and she was like, yo, like you should listen to the read. It's hilarious. It's amazing. Um, Crystal and Kid Fury, you know, they're these two podcasters. They're, you know, queer or however they identify. And um, I was like, yes, I, you know, black and queer. Like, I want to hear what they have to say. You know, these are not voices at the time that were being amplified the way that they are now. Even within a few years, it's like exploded, um, particularly their podcast. And they're going to be, I think, on Fuse yeah, or something. Right? Yeah, I just love them. So anyway, I was like, oh, podcast. Okay. You know, I'd always heard about them, but I never really like delved too much into it. And I knew that um, Siphon Rosenberg, when I was at Hot, had a podcast. But like, you know, like most people, it was early on and I was not super into it. Um, so she was like, yo, download the app. I'll show you how to subscribe. So I started listening to The Read, which is like, my favorite podcast. And I was like, Oh my God, this is gold. Like, I can't believe that there's so many of these episodes. And I went and I listened to just tons of the historical episodes of the show. And, um, that's how I got into it. She put me on, she was like, check it out. This is where it's happening. So yeah. And then well, where did the idea for you to start a podcast start? Well, I was a mom, a new mom, and also I had just turned 40 and I was working and still am at this like gigantic company. And I sort of felt like I was disappearing into the wallpaper. I felt like my identity was like in flux. I kind of didn't know who I was. I was confused. I think I was a bit in a midlife crisis and I was a new mom and I was a part of an industry that was turning upside down. Um, The music business, obviously, when streaming really blew up, like everything that we all knew about it changed, right? So I was amidst just like an incredible amount of intense change and feeling very lost and confused in that. Um, in my own identity. So 
the podcast was a way for me to get back on the mic because I have a history of being in radio. I was on the air, you know, at multiple stations for over a decade. And, you know, once you're on radio, once you're a radio rat, like you're a radio rat forever, like you get the bit by the bug and that's like your thing. You want to be on the mic. So I said, let me start this podcast. You know, it's easy to get in. It's a low risk, low entry, you know, you know, anybody can do it. So we got the equipment. My partner helped me with that. And, um, and I just started talking and I think I had an ax to grind and some of my earlier podcasts, I think are a little bitter. Um, I think in retrospect, I think it was clear that I had, you know, a chip on my shoulder. Um, and I had a lot to say that was frustrating me. And I think those things were valid. I'm in a different place now, but brutally honest is always the goal. Whether I'm feeling fucked up, sad, happy, confused. I just want to talk about real life from a real perspective through the lens really of like pop culture and hip hop, because those are the worlds that I, I live in. Yeah, so yeah, for the for the audience uh, who may not be aware of Brutally Honest, tell us a brief summary of the show. Basically, it's just me filtering the world through the eyes of being, you know, a music industry veteran, you know, in my forties, um, a mom, and now you know somebody who is in cancer treatment. Like, it's just really my life against the backdrop of the world that I live in, which is pop culture and hip hop. That's what it is. And so when I'm speaking about my life, it's always interwoven, you know, with the vernacular of the world that I live in with examples or stories from that particular culture that I reside in. Like, so I just see it as, yeah, it's just, it's just, my story really yeah and how i see things and now i'm starting to invite people onto it for a long time it was just a monologue it was a written monologue um so i would write everything out and then monologue it and i still do that but more recently i've really wanted to like bottle up the genius of my friends so people who i just fuck with and care about i've invited onto the podcast um and that's been fun too because I just am around so many brilliant people. I want to find ways to amplify their ideas to the people who are paying attention to Brutally Honest. One thing that really attracted me to the show as well is the uh, the template of being very concise in 20 minutes or less and just giving you bang, bang, bang. Where did that idea come from to... Because mine's more like free-flowing, going with the flow sure. and a lot are. What, what made your podcast that route to go with a shorter, more concise episode style? I just um, have a lot of respect for people's time and I feel like they don't have a lot of it because I know that I don't have a lot of it. So it's like, what do you have to say? I need you to let me know in 20 minutes or less. Like that's how the format of my show has been set up. When I have guests, they run a little bit longer and they are a little bit less concise, but it's more me trying to build an audience and not waste their time in the process. Like I need you to come in very quickly, see what it is that I'm talking about and either you fuck with it or you don't. And if you do, I'm going to get that credibility through seating you shorter, more concise pieces. And then once you care enough about what I have to say, I can open it up into a conversation with some other people or I can go a little bit longer. Right. So that's kind of been my strategy is earning that trust that people care about what I have to say. And then I can be a little bit more long winded. 
One of the most powerful episodes, uh, I know when we first reached out, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you'll get back to me, you're going through some personal things. And then uh, later, so did you release your episode where you announced your cancer diagnosis? Uh, what was that process like for you making that episode? And um, was it therapeutic at all? Was it painful at all? What, what was it personally for you to release that? I think it, I don't know that it was therapeutic. I don't know that it was painful. I felt like I was just very numb and... I just knew that I had to talk about it. I sat on the diagnosis for about six weeks. I didn't tell anybody except for a couple close friends and obviously my partner and some people in my family. And, you know, I kind of hemmed and hawed, like, do I want to tell people what's going on? You know, I work in the music business. This is yet another sign of weakness. Being a mom is a sign of weakness in the music business because that means you're not focused on your career and you can't do everything at the drop of a hat. You have a family and, you know, I'm I'm a little bit older and also now I have cancer. So I was like, shit, man, I'm just like getting beat over the head with these things that are not considered desirable, you know, in Hollywood, you know, or in this case, obviously New York City, but in the entertainment business, it's like, fuck, what, you know, what am I going to do? But I finally decided like, yo, if my motto is brutally honest, if I want to be brutally honest about my life, I have to talk about this. I can't just hide and cower in the corner and try to like pretend like this isn't happening. I have to speak on it. And it hasn't been easy the whole time through. And there's been some parts that I'm not particularly like amped that I, you know, put out there, but at the same time it's relatable and it's, it's just, it's just the real deal. And a lot of people don't talk about the realities of having cancer, going through cancer treatment. Um, a lot of people just kind of hide and I understand why they hide. It's because, um, the world doesn't like seeing sick people. They only like seeing strong victors. You are, you beat cancer. You're a fighter. You're a warrior. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, some days I don't fucking feel like that. So don't put that on me, you know? So I'm going to talk about how I feel horrible today, how I feel like shit, how I, you know, how I understand why people commit suicide now, you know, like there's things like that where you, you know, clearly I'm not suicidal, but like you start to understand how people the can get world to that in a different place, in yeah. a different way. Right. And people don't love seeing that. They just want to see, you know, the victors, especially healthy people. It's really healthy people who don't want to see that because if you see somebody who's sick and vulnerable, you might see yourself, you know, you might see that there's a possibility that, Oh, yo, if it could happen to her, it could happen to me. Right. And I don't want to see that. So I'm just going to like turn my head away and you let me know when it's ready to celebrate the victory. So I've dealt with a bit of that, but I still have just like pushed the envelope as much as I can because I think it's, it's needed. I didn't know a lot about cancer, cancer treatment until I was diagnosed until I went through it and I'm going through it. And I feel like people should know more about it because it's that ubiquitous. Um, when I was back home, I, uh, I mentioned it earlier before we started recording, I'm starting to interview my family members uh, just to document family history. And I, was so, and I got to interview my great aunt. I got to learn so much more about her just through interviewing her that you would never have the conversation normally over breakfast. I want to go visit her in Chicago or something. Yeah. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, you recently had your partner mm-hmm. on your show. I did. What did you learn differently about him? Um, was there anything differently that you learned about him through your interview with him? I think it was a great way to process what we were going through, to be honest. And I, and I think there's a few other people that I want to have on the podcast for that very reason. 
we were having a tough conversation, you know, and, and that conversation that he and I were having prior to the, turning those mics on was extremely contentious. Um, and it was causing me personally a lot of grief because I wanted to go in one direction, one direction, and he wanted to go in another direction as far as how I approached my surgery. Um, and I recently just two weeks ago got a double mastectomy and I'm still recovering from that surgery. But there was something about turning those mics on and contextualizing it um, in the realm of a podcast that was very healing. And I think we came to an understanding in that 45 minutes that we had not reached before. And so it's weird that, you know, when you do something that, you know, you're going to put out publicly, it's strange that that's the place where you come to that kind of a level of intimate understanding. But it, it was, it was therapeutic, it was healing. And, and I felt like, okay, now we, you know, we don't agree, but we still love each other, you know, and we're still, we're going to walk this together. And, um, it felt really good. Um, on the business side of a podcast, uh, you recently put all your episodes exclusively on Patreon. Uh, what drove that decision to, to do that? Well, to be quite honest, like having cancer is expensive. Um, and a lot of things that I wanted to do and have been able to do, um, as far as like treatments are not covered by insurance. Plus you have medical deductibles in the thousands and things of that nature. So first and foremost, I knew I had an audience and I needed money. So I was like, okay, how can I monetize what I'm already doing? You know, I gave up 50 some odd episodes for free, never made a dime off of it. I accrued quite a decent audience, especially with the cosigns of like, it's the real. And then, um, Jesus from Jesus and Miro, like co-signed me in GQ magazine. Uh, and I got a lot of listeners off of that. So I was like, maybe I can convert, like, let's say I have about 3000, it's usually between three and six, 6,000 listeners for my podcast prior to me putting it behind. It just depends on what I was talking about. People come in and kind of a la carte episodes. Right. Um, and I was like, if I can convert like 10% of those people onto Patreon for a couple dollars a month, like I'll get a nice little monthly income that I can use to get my acupuncture that I can use to pay for some therapy that I clearly needed. <laughs> and, um, during this process supplements that I want to take, um, it just really has made it like even medical bills, like that money is going towards things like my garden in the backyard, which has been extremely important part of like me get, being able to heal. So I took that risk and I pulled my podcast off of all of the, you know, regular places where you'd find it, Apple podcasts and, you know, Stitcher and stuff. And I put it behind, um, on Patreon and I use private SoundCloud links and, you know, I did convert about actually more than 10% really of my regular listeners. I'm going into like maybe 15 or 20 now. I have like 450 people who are patrons. They pay either two or $3 a month and they access content like the podcast and other things that I put together, like videos and written pieces and monetizing it like has been great. It's oh, yeah. I, less people. <laughs> yeah. Less people are exposed to it, which is the downside. The upside is that I'm actually getting compensated as a creative for the work that I put in. Absolutely. 
And now that I'm having guests on the podcast, when I invite people on, I'm paying them. So like I had Donovan Donovan on, he's an artist creative from Flatbush. He's one of my best friends and he's, you know, just put out this EP called Bad Mind. It's incredible. And I wanted to have him on the podcast. I was like, yo, like you're going to come over here and spend some time with me. I'm monetizing it. I'm going to shoot you a couple hundred bucks for your time. So now I can also put that money into other creatives pockets and it's just a win-win for everybody. Uh, I'm very fascinated when I first moved to New York City, I when I'm still pursuing it, I guess, is I was a rapper and songwriter and that's what drove me to move to New York. But now I'm getting into podcasting and now podcasting is allowing me to, uh, almost by accident, I'm rebranding myself or it's allowed me to open up doors for myself that I wouldn't have otherwise. We wouldn't have this conversation if I didn't have a podcast. Sure. How has Brutally Honest uh, improved your brand as an individual, as Carly Hustle? These are great questions. Um, I think it's given me an identity outside of being in the music business, right? Um, it's my own thing. I don't have to ask for anybody's permission. I don't have to clear it with anybody. I don't have to CC anybody on emails. I don't have to, you know, like there's no bureaucracy. There's no red tape. It's just my shit. You know, it's my creative outlet. It's my thing. And I think also when I was talking about identity earlier and kind of like feeling lost when I became a mom and turned 40 and my industry kind of just went left, um, it, it just was like my thing. I needed my own thing. And that's what it's been. It's been a way for me to kind of find my way back to myself through my own words, through my own writing, and then now through conversations with my friends. All right. So Carly, we are, we are at a point in the show called our podcasters picks. And this is where I ask today's subject sure. uh, to give me three podcasts that they love that we should be listening to and describe them to me. So give me your first one. Well, I'm going to be honest. Mine are all pretty Captain Obvious. Okay. Um, the Read, which I already brought up. There we go. Kid Fury and Crystal. Like, I I laugh. I cry. I laugh mostly. But, you know, sometimes they get a little bit serious at times. But I, I just feel like their voices are so needed and they're so funny. And what they've created out of that podcast is super inspiring. And um, the representation that they've been able to create for themselves, like... If other people weren't letting them in the door, they opened, they kicked open the door and created their own thing. And I think that that is, there's a great lesson in that, right? So the read, number one. Um, number two, it's the real podcast. Yeah. I think specifically after Combat Jack passed away, they have stepped in to really do not what he was doing, but do what he was doing with the same level of care. Granted, their podcast clearly already existed when when Combat Jack was alive, but somebody needed to kind of take the reins and get these deep dive podcasts with a lot of care and, and thought, and they are doing that. And um, they have great relationships, and they're just great dudes. Um, and I enjoy listening to them talk to people about their art because you can tell that they've done the work. They've done the research. Like they really are passionate. Um, so I like to support them and, um, they've had amazing guests and they also have people on there, you know, who are behind the scenes. So you get to learn a bit about how the industry works outside of just like, you know, your rappers or singers or whoever, um, talent in that regard, you get to hear behind the scenes stories. And then, um, the third one, 
And I will admit that I've fallen off a bit since it got embargoed on Spotify because I don't use Spotify is um, Joe Button's podcast. Um, And I know that it's on YouTube, but I just like once it's switched out of my normal kind of Apple podcasts realm, I admit that I fell off a little bit, but it's still one of my favorites when I check in on it. I just think the chemistry between, you know, the three of those guys, granted, it's very dudish. It's very mannish and, can, and it can be very sort of locker roomy. Um, I still crack the fuck up. Yeah. And I also just feel like there's just a lot of like important perspectives. Um, and I've also seen a significant amount of growth in all of those dudes over time, which I think is super inspiring the way that they approach conversations very different than they probably would have even a few years ago. And I don't necessarily think it's just for show. I think that they really are evolving. And I think the people who are going to, that are going to succeed are going to evolve and change with the times and not like dig their heels in and be like, well, I'm don't care about the gay community. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they just, they're trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I like to see people trying. So, yeah. So Carly, uh, I end every show with the, uh, the same question. Okay. Uh, Carly Hustle, why do you podcast? I podcast because I, like most people, have something important to say. And whether my podcast has a million listeners or 10, somebody is hearing it. And that's really all that matters because I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just maybe trying to change a couple of minds. Carly Hustle, thank you so much for being on OPP today. Thank you. I'm a big fan of you and Brutally Honest. Everyone go check it out. We out of here. Bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP. And to our special guest, Carly Hustle. Her podcast, Brutally Honest, is exclusively available on Patreon. And I provide the links to that in the description of this episode. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. Also, be sure to leave us a comment and a five-star rating in the Apple app. Let me know your favorite podcast and who you think we should have a guest on the show. Lastly, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I provide the links to Silent Giants in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless. Till next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.